Welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host. Stand Up Tragedy is a live show and podcast that's been running for three years now. What we do is we get people to come along to the show and stand up and do tragedy. And we get people from a variety of different parts of the arts. We've got comedians, storytellers, musicians, spoken word artists and more. And they come together to look at the sadder things in life with some laughs as well as some tears. The Stand Up Tragedy podcast is going to be going out every two weeks. So every two weeks you'll get a new dose of tragedy into your lives. This week's episode is Tragic Fairy Tales, which was recorded at the Hackney Attic during our Tragic Winter live show. Content note. This episode contains Jessica Law from Jessica Law and the Outlaws. You can find out more about if you look for them on Facebook and you can buy her music at jessicalaw.bandcamp.com. Lauren Stone who you can follow on Twitter at lstone345 and me, who you can find at davepickeringstoryteller.co.uk or www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk and it also contains tragedy which means that there will be sad themes and talk of death throughout today's show. Hello everybody! Are we recording, Harv? Excellent. Right, welcome to Stand Up Tragedy. So what we're doing for this year is we're doing four different seasons of tragedy, a tragedy for all seasons. And this is the first show of 2015, so it's tragic winter. I was a bit worried that it wasn't going to be wintry enough, that I'd actually set it a little bit too late and it was going to be completely inappropriate weather-wise. But we're doing okay. Uh, I saw some snowdrops on the way here, but it's still a bit cold. So yes, tonight is about the tragedies of winter and tonight is going to be about sort of pushing ourselves out of the darkness of the winter so hopefully by the end of the night we'll have shaken off all of the sadness of the of the winter and we will be able to move forwards into the spring so we've got three different themes that i thought were kind of winter related so act one is going to be tragic fairy tales so i thought that was appropriate because winter is a time when we tell stories in front of the fire to get us through the long nights the second act is guest curated by alice bell and that is going to be tragic climate so we're looking at the the sad and wintry aspects of climate change and then we're finishing up with tragic death the ultimate winter uh so yes we've had lots of tragic fairy tales told at Stand Up Tragedy over the years, so I thought it was the perfect, the perfect theme for us. And then I went and I contacted all of those brilliant people who told fairy tales over the years, and none of them could make it. So we've got some even better uh, people to do some, some fairy tales tonight. Um, I was, uh, and, and in fact, I'm going to tell a fairy tale myself a bit later on. Uh, fairy tales are full of tragedy. Like, they don't generally actually end happily ever after, if you read back to the originals, particularly uh, Hans Christian Andersen's ones. They're all bleak as fuck. You know, like, the Pied Piper of Hamblin, you know, takes all those kids away. They don't go back. Um, you know, and uh, you know, Ashen Puttle, even the Brothers Grimm, they had, they may have had some happy endings in their stories, but Ashen Puttle, the original Cinderella, uh, the uh, the ugly sisters, uh, chopped off their 
toes and their uh, ankles to get them into the shoes. And they were, you know, so that's pretty tragic, I think, pretty, pretty dark uh, stuff there. So fairy tales also a tragic as in we tell ourselves fairy tales about our lives and that's pretty tragic i think that's kind of like the the most tragic fairy tale i think is this idea of happily ever after and pure and beautiful and true love that overcomes all obstacles which is not to say i'm anti-love i'm anti-obstacles in fact so let's gather around the metaphysical metaphorical fire uh, and tell each other stories that will keep us company in the darkness and the first person who's going to be doing that tonight is Jessica Law, who is part of the amazing steampunk theatrical experience, The Mechanisms, and she also has her own band, Jessica Law and the Outlaws. So put your hands together for Jessica Law! Um, I, I suppose I ought to explain myself. Um, this instrument is a, um, a resonator mandolele. Um, I don't think it actually exists in, in real life. I, I sort of invented it. Um, I got it made by uh, someone called Stuart Wailing of Wailing Guitars, which is a really brilliant name for a um, guitar maker. Also, as you can see from the grating on the top, if you fill it with hot coals, it also works very well as a bedpan. Do you mean a bed warmer? <laughs> that one. It would work less well as a bed. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with um, a song that's based on the original Hans Christian Andersen um, story of the Little Mermaid, which was massively harsh um, because basically, um, <clears throat> when she got turned into a human, um, she had to get someone to fall in love with her within 24 hours, and if she didn't, she would die. Um, and the only way that she could get out of this um, is that sh- her sister's got her a, um, a magical knife from the sea witch. And um, if she uh, took the knife and stabbed um, Prince Eric um, and killed him and sprinkled his uh, blood in the waves, uh, then she would get to turn back into a mermaid and, and go back to her old life. Um, so that's what this one is about. <coughs> One of us will be alive by the breaking of the dawn I'm resolved that person will be me With his blood I pay the tithe so that I may be reborn Unabsolved the waves will receive me Blow wind, blow, fill my lungs with shouting Burn sky, burn, stalk my heart with fire. Flow rain, flow, wash away my doubting. Turn earth, turn, with you I'll conspire. He said, I had never seen the sky till I gazed into your eyes. From tonight, our lives start in earnest. 
Never will I leave your side For when two worlds collide There's a spark that kindles a furnace Blow and blow Fly us to the heavens Burn sky burn Fill our days with sun Flow rain flow Quench our thirst forever Turn earth turn With you we will run I'm the reason he's alive So his life I shall reclaim One more stab of pain won't undo me I made every sacrifice But her beauty stole my light She's so bright he's looking right through me Blow and blow Fill my lungs with shouting Burn sky burn Stalk my heart with fire Flow rain flow Wash away my doubting Turn earth turn With you I'll conspire One of us will be alive By the breaking of the dawn I'm resolved that person Will be me Yeah, it's, it's new strings time, so it, it needs quite a bit of tuning, so I apologise in advance. Of course, for fans of tuning, you could not have come to a better place. I like to think of it as an, an avant-garde minimalist um, interlude. Um, right. Um, the next song is um, more mythology-based, but that's a kind of fairy tale, so that's fine. Um, and it's, um, it's based on... Um, the Odyssey, uh, specifically the part where Odysseus is um, uh, sails to the land of the Lotus Eaters, and um, they do they try their utmost to detain him. Um, and I've always thought that being detained by the Lotus Eaters is uh, very similar to being detained by hippies. Um, so uh, I decided to write a song. <clears throat> We stopped to take on water on a long laconic shore Broken and defeated by the searing scars of war When through the dusty darkness we glimpsed a glowing flame And soon the mild-eyed melancholy lotus eaters came And they said, why the struggle? Watch the trees, they don't have to toil to drop their fruit Or shed their leaves to fight for all will fall mountains will crumble time will claim the strongest city walls after all you're with the lotus eaters now no need to worry how the world spins round no need to keep your head out of the clouds why cling to hope of homeward bound Cause here we've all you need the lotus leaves will send you on a slumber sweet and sound so stick around stop wake up 
You're dead behind the eyes We haven't reached our home And there are battles still to fight What happened to the spark That fear and fury would ignite I've lost you to the lotus And its languid little lies Stop, let us Wake stay up. here You're dead what behind the lie? eyes We haven't Nothing reached our home And there fragments. are battles still to fight What happened What's to the, the spark That fear and fury would ignite I've lost Mountains you to the lotus crumble. And its languid little lies let us stay here, what will last? Nothing but fractured fragments of the dark and dreadful past. What's to fight for? All will fall, will I say? Better to make a stand than stranded with no hope at all, as they call. You're with the lotus eaters now. No need to worry how the world spins round No need to keep your head out of the clouds Why cling to hope of homeward bound? Cause here we've all you need The lotus leaves will send you on a slumber sweet and sound So stick around You're with the lotus eaters now No need to worry how the world spins round No need to keep your head out of the clouds Why cling to hope of homeward bound? Cause here we've all you need The lotus leaves will send you on a slumber sweet and sound So stick around World, forgive me I'm so tired I searched inside me, but the spark of fury had expired. It transpired. I'm with the lotus eaters now. No need to worry now, though I'm not proud. Let others make the world keep spinning ground. Forget the life you left behind. Before the lotus drives it from my mind, I'll leave these words for followers to find. Don't get entwined You'll lose your mind I have a CD Isn't it beautiful? I made it myself um, It's uh, hand-bound in um, some lovely... Uh, Paisley velvety fabric. Um, yeah, that's dedication. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, so it's my uh, sixth song EP, Languid Little Lies, and um, I'll be selling it for um, £5 uh, per CD, which I think you'll agree is a snip in today's modern climate. Um, so just, uh, just come to me um, if you want to buy Onora. I, I think I might be able to leave them at, at the desk. Yeah, I can leave some at the desk as well. Um, so I'm going to be doing one uh, final song, which is Pure Tragedy, and it's called Cruel to be Cruel. I told the lie was calm and kind, still they betrayed me, so I must teach them to hate me. The price I pay to get my way Wish you'd have known me When 
Only kindness controlled me. Needles that sting, they tell you a thing. You have to be cruel to be kind. Well, I have to be cruel to be cruel and I'm cruel all the time The dark descends the present tense draws in to meet me soon sightless silence will greet me the wind protests that he knows best He can't deceive me Soon all my struggles will leave me Oh, needles that sting They tell you a thing You have to be cruel to be kind Well I have to be cruel To be cruel And I'm cruel All the Jessica Law, everybody. Okay, so now uh, our next performer is Lauren Stone, who I first saw uh, on, I think, on this very stage at, at Spark London, the uh, true storytelling night that I also run. Um, and I was enchanted by the way that she told true stories. Uh, we booked her to do stand up tragedy in Edinburgh and I was also, then I was equally enchanted by the way that her unique kind of comedy that she does. So we've had her twice now uh, to do comedy with us, but tonight she is taking that unique brand of comedy and she is forging it into the shape of a fairy story. So put your hands together for Lauren Stone! So I haven't really been in London that much recently. I've mostly been at my grandma's house um, helping her out because she's had a bit of trouble with um, some kids like breaking off and eating bits of her house. Um, so I kind of went around and I was like, uh, can, I, can I help you? And she was like, well, you know what it's like with these... Old gingerbread bungalows, like, it's, it's difficult. And you know how teenagers are. And I was like, yeah. Um, I said, do you want me, you know, do you want me to do anything? And she was like, for some reason, she got out this massive saucepan. And she was like, no, I've got it covered. Um, uh, but yeah, so on my way, uh, I've, I've come from my grandma's house. And, and on my way here, um, I ran into my friend who is a, who's a goblin. Um, it's okay for me to call him that. Um, 
like I we've had that conversation like he's small and he's weird looking and he's completely fictional so it, it's fine um, you know we did we did talk about it and I said it is okay, is it okay for me to call you a goblin and he was like uh, and I was like okay so like maybe a pixie and he was like no that's that band who recently reformed without Kim Deal and then he was like and I was like, oh, okay, a gremlin. And he was like, no, that's a film. And I was like, oh, a fairy. And he was like, oh, that's kind of a word that we only use amongst ourselves. And then I was like, fine, like a troll? Or is that just an internet thing? And he was like, that's just an internet thing. Um, uh, but anyway, I was like, look, man, uh, I'm on my way to stand-up tragedy and I haven't got a story to tell. Um, and he was like, I know a really sad story, um, and I'll tell you it. And so I'm going to tell you the story that he told me, um, conveniently. Uh, and, and it goes a bit like this. In a kingdom, well, not really that far away, uh, and not really that long ago, um, kind of like the London that we are in right now, um, but fictional, obviously fictional. Um, uh, basically, things weren't going that well in this kingdom. Um, the king was pretty unpopular because all he did was hang out with his mates and like bathe in gold and stuff. And the peasants weren't really that happy with him. Um, there was a lot of recreational magic bean use and... A lot of unemployment, um, like even really well-qualified wizards were working in coffee shops. And a lot of people said, mermaids, um, bloody mermaids, people would say. <laughs> Swimming over here, stealing our jobs. And, but that really wasn't the problem. It wasn't the mermaids that were the problem. Um, but things were going pretty badly, and they were going pretty badly specifically for this one woman, and she was just a woman. She wasn't a princess. No matter how hard she'd looked at the kind of genealogy websites to find out if she was when the kingdom got internet. And she was very kind and very hardworking and very allergic to dogs, but that's irrelevant. And... She was kind of getting a bit desperate because she hadn't really had a job for a long time and, and things were getting pretty hard, you know, like she couldn't really afford the baked beans that she liked to eat um, or, or anything at all. Um, so she went to the Department of Wishing and Paperwork, otherwise known as the DWP, and she, and she went to the Department of Wishing and Paperwork and she was like, guys, can you help me out? And they gave her a giant stack of paperwork to do. They were like, you know, it's pretty much the same height as her. And she was like, do I really have to fill this in? And they were like, yeah. Um, we can give you a, a wish every week um, for as long as you need, but you have to fill in this paperwork. And she was like, okay, fine. Because she was really desperate, you know. She was hungry and she just didn't really know what to do. So she was exhausted by the time that she got to the last page of this paperwork and she was kind of having trouble seeing because she was so tired and she didn't really notice that there was a kind of subtext or like little tiny bit of text at the end that just said, 
Um, you can have a wish per week on the condition that your expectations will be gradually lowered um, over time. And, you know, she, she, she just agreed to it. She just signed it. She just handed over this giant stack of paperwork as big as herself and she said, okay, I just really need those wishes. And to begin with, it was fine. And she, you know, like, wished for her rent to be paid every week. And she's like, I wish for some baked beans. That's great. But then, after a while, her expectations started to be lowered. And she was like, oh, I don't expect I'll get a job very soon. So I just wish for my rent to be paid and I wish for some beans. Um, and, you know, she got them. And then... Gradually, over time, her expectations were lowered and lowered and lowered even more until she wasn't really feeling that great at all. And she, she said, I don't expect that I'll get a job at all um, at this rate. And then she said the words that ended it, which were, I, I wish I wasn't here. And she just disappeared. And, you know, so my goblin friend, he told me this story and, and I, I was kind of like, man, that's fucking awful, but, like, why did you tell me that? And he was like, because, you know, it's difficult to understand unless you wrap it in a fairy tale or, like, make a joke about it, make a joke about your granny's gingerbread house... It's difficult to understand and it's difficult to process unless you do those things. But right now, in your country, in your London, under this government, things like that are happening all the time. Thanks. Lauren Stone, everybody. Okay, right. So our next performer, uh, he, uh, he does a podcast called Getting Better Acquainted, uh, which is coming up for his 200th episode uh, kind of season. It's going to be five episodes as a kind of season that's coming up. It's very exciting. He also hosts tonight called Stand Up Tragedy, which is a, a also a podcast. Um, so put your hands together for Dave Pickering, everybody. There once was a mermaid who lived beneath the sea with her father and sisters. The kingdom they lived in was happy, but she was not. Whilst everyone else was content to live in the water, she dreamt of the waves. She spent every moment of every day longing for the surface. She wanted to look down on everyone from above. She wanted to find something else. She wanted to rise. And then one day she did. But when she looked up from the water, she didn't see the sky. She didn't see the different world she had always longed for. She saw a man. And that man became the sky and the sea. That man became everything she had ever wanted. He filled her eyes, but he didn't see her. The mermaid watched the man as he worked. His muscles ripped in the su rippled in the sunlight. He was standing shirtless, pulling nets full of fish up onto his boat. 
He was strong, but his hands were not workmen's hands. His hair was perfectly cut. His smile was perfectly white. He was watched by other men. They watched him with something like the the desire that she had. They watched him and they wanted to be like him. And they watched him like their lives, their livelihoods, their whole world depended on him and on his safety. Just by being there on the ocean, he was gambling with their hearts. He was being reckless with their love. If harm came to him, it would come to all of them. The man smiled and he lifted his arms up higher. Suddenly, the skies turned grey. The man began to shout, the men began to shout and run around. They'd been caught unprepared. They tried to grab the man and pull him back, but the sea began to churn and the man became tangled in the nets and then he was falling through the air. The rain splintered down and the boat tipped backwards and no one could see what was happening, no one but the mermaid. The man floated beautifully. He moved in slow motion and the nets fell away as he freed himself. She swam towards him, down, down, down. She didn't know if she wanted to touch him or save him. Perhaps she would hold him in her arms and never let him go. As she reached him, his eyes widened in fear and the mermaid nearly swam away. But the fear faded and his eyes became empty things. She shuddered. She reached out and caught hold of him. She pressed her body against him, feeling where they fitted and where they didn't. She realized they were different. They lived in different worlds. In the water, no one can see your tears. She held the man in front of her like a child would hold a float, and she pushed him forwards towards the shore. The waves took him from her hands. A woman washing clothes was washing clothes on the sandy beach. She saw the man and ran out to help him. The woman's legs made splashes as she blundered into the sea. Legs seemed such clumsy things, but they allowed you to move between two worlds. The mermaid sank lower into the water. She watched the woman's toes sink into the silt. Her toenails were painted bright pink. The mermaid went to her grandmother. She asked her about pink nail varnish and legs. She asked her about shirtless men with elegant hands and long fingers. She asked her how long a human can breathe beneath the water. The answers were not what she wanted. She got angry and shouted, life is not fair. She began to smash the coral reef around her, shattering off chunks of living landscape and casting them towards the darkest depths of the ocean. Her grandmother tried to catch her hands. Stop this nonsense, she said, but the mermaid pushed her away. She punched at her grandmother's stomach and arms, flailing wildly around. Why don't humans live for 300 years and breathe underwater, she wailed. It isn't right. It isn't fair. Why does the world function this way? Her grandmother took her by the arms and shook her. You do not have a soul. You are a worthless thing. When you die, you are washed away as the foam on the top of the waves. History is not for you. Love is not for you. You are a thing. You are an object. You are to be looked at. Why do you think life should be fair for something like you? The mermaid began to wail. 
Because her voice was so beautiful and her wailing was so moving and wonderful. Schools of brightly coloured fish gathered around her and the sea became a whirlpool of colour and movement. At the centre of this swirling, churning, churning rainbow, the mermaid and her grandmother tried to out- overpower each other. If I had a voice like yours, I wouldn't waste it. I'd gladly have no voice if I could have legs. Stupid girl, you don't understand what you have. Her grandmother raised herself up to her full height, and all the bright fish became grey shapes in the darkness. I will take your voice, and in exchange I will give you legs. Your legs will be as pretty as your voice was, and they will da- and when they dance, everyone will stare. But you will make no sound, and every step you take will feel like a sword piercing through your stomach, passing through your body and breaking out of your back. You won't be able to cry out in pain because you'll make no sound. And the old lady turned her back, and as she did, her words became true. The mermaid's tongue blistered as if exposed to intense heat. She began to scream in pain, but as her tongue burned away, the definition was lost from her voice, and all she could do was make shapeless sounds from the back of her throat. She shook her tail in pain and fear, whipping it wildly, but the slicing pains passed through it, waves of pain, like drills twisting into nerves, like electric shock treatment, like childbirth, and then she had legs, beautiful legs that curved, petite feet on the end with perfect nails, just waiting to be painted pink. She was human. She curved her throbbing mouth into a smile and she breathed for the first time in her life and her first breaths were of water. She was drowning. This was not her world anymore and she needed to get out. Her grandmother laughed and the laughter looked like bubbles. The mermaid kicked and kicked with her new legs, pushing up, up, up towards the surface, towards the light. Every time she kicked, another shudder of pain passed through her body. The mermaid finally reached the surface and she breathed her first gasp of air. Her new lungs burned. She vomited seawater into the waves. Stretching out as far as she could see in all directions was the blue ocean. She began to swim on the surface of her old home. and With each kick, knives ripped inside her. She swam a great, great distance but reached no land. She saw no ships, no sailors, not even a bird in the skies. She was alone. Beneath the water, there were creatures who used to keep her company, but she couldn't reach them anymore. In the water, she had danced, but if she were to dance now, it would hurt. Each kick of her legs brought tears to her eyes and silent screams from her hollow throat. Where was the man? Where was the land? She tried to distract herself from the pain. In her mind, she was dancing, moving around the beautiful man. He was smiling. His eyes followed each movement she made. He was looking at her. Her eyes blinked open. She was still swimming in the empty sea, still struggling forwards. There were birds now circling around her head. They were watching her. She thought of the fairy tales from her childhood. She imagined the beach as a temple. She would kneel there. She would pray there. She would gather strength. Pale women in white robes would heal her and everything would be all right. Then finally, she saw them in the far distance, 
the white sands. But as she got closer, she could make out shapes in the sand. Legs and arms that intertwined. Bodies that fitted perfectly together. Bodies that were made for each other. Pink toenails and elegant hands. Something like love was happening. Something like hate was happening. Her own legs were knives in her gut. She had nothing left. She saw their skin coated in sand. The man gave a sudden cry and it sounded like a hungry seagull. The sea seemed to spin around her. She could never live like them. She could never make him laugh. The land was not for her. She imagined his hand over her mouth. Her tears were just one more stream flowing into the sea. She sank down. Her legs had no more kick left. Her heart had no more beats left. She had given up everything for a man who had never heard her, a man who had never seen her. He'd taken everything from her and she had let him. She had chosen him. So there we go. You can always rely on me to bring the mood down, uh, which is good because now it's time for a break. We're going to have a break. This is the end of Act One. And after that break, it's going to be a completely different act with completely different theme and completely different people doing completely different things. Follow the tragedy at Stand Up For Tragedy on Twitter. Make friends with the tragedy by friending us on Facebook or if you don't want to be our friend, you can like us on Facebook as well. The podcasts are going out every two weeks at the moment and they're available from iTunes, the Stitcher Smart Radio app and any other place that podcasts go to hang out on the internet. There's a hell of a... And we've got a big back catalogue, so there's loads more tragedy to listen through. We particularly recommend the Selected Tragedy episodes, which we put together during the last break we had from live shows. Our next stand-up tragedy is Tragic Spring, and that is happening at the Hackney Attic on the 25th of April. We've got an amazing lineup. It's Tragic Beginnings, Tragic bodies guest hosted by matilda gregory and tragic sex and i'm really excited to hear what those performers are going to do and how that show is going to flow come and join us it's five pounds in advance seven pounds on the door you can find out about that and all other things stand up tragedy at www.standuptragedy.co.uk and if you'd like to write some tragedy for us and submit that to be displayed on our blog, then you can find out the details on the website of how to go about doing it. And for now, tragedy. This podcast has been produced by me with sound production from Stephen Harvey with music at the beginning from Sam Wilkinson and playing us out with The Tragedy Is Over George Brough